Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of CityWalk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with CityWalk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search CityWalk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Hasn't it been a good day so far? I mean, you, you can mess up about everything. When you have kids singing at church, it's like a good day. It can be, I could bomb here in the next 30 minutes. All y'all fall asleep. You're going to leave here saying, oh, that was such a great day at church. So it's actually a great day when the kids sing. Takes the pressure off the guy that's preaching. But no, I'm just kidding. Whether you're joining us online or not, we're just thankful that you're here. Uh, we are thankful for our kids and thankful for the many people that invest in them on a regular basis. Uh, this season, as you probably just like most families, uh, especially this year, you're not able to go probably as many places as you want to go. So you find yourself at home and you're thankful for things like Netflix and Prime Video and Hulu and Disney Plus and all these different things. And you're, you're thankful for those. And you, you probably, just like my family, you watching some of your favorite Christmas movies. We, we downloaded the $5.99 friendly app on our TV so we could watch all the Hallmark movies that even though they have the exact same plot every single one, it, we, we watch that. And, and as you think about the favorite movies that your family has, what are some of the favorite ones that, that you'd say, man, these are the ones that, man, we don't go at Christmas season without watching. You Maybe for you, it's Hey, you're, you go with some of the classics. You're your White Christmas. We tried to watch that last night with our seven-year-old. She's like, Here, here's her question. Is it in black and white? No, I was like, there's a color version. It, it's all right. Uh, but, but you maybe like some of those. Maybe you like some of the, the newer ones. As I was growing up, and, and those of you that are about my age or a little older, I'm, in my, my, I'm 44 now. You remember the day where you couldn't go to Hulu or you couldn't go to a streaming service and watch a Christmas movie anytime you wanted to. There was a special night once a year that your favorite Christmas special came on NBC or ABC. And man, it was like a big deal. You didn't want to miss it. I remember one of my favorite uh, shows growing up, Christmas movies, was, was Rudolph. And Rudolph was the, the show that, man, when I was a little kid, man, I waited to see the advertisement. Okay, it's seven o'clock on, you know, this channel, and we got to sit down and watch it. And it was, it was a favorite show for me. And, and you know this about our friend Rudolph. You, you know the story. He was a guy that was a reindeer. He was born with this special red nose. And uh, he was born as a reindeer, and he should have been one of Santa's reindeers. But because of his special red nose that lit up and made a, a kind of a weird sound when it lit up, he, he wasn't able to be one of Santa's reindeers. He kind of got made fun of. He was pretty insignificant when it came to like ranking reindeers. And, and, and he was somebody that kind of left out of games. And we could start singing the song right now, but, but he kind of got left out. And he was a reindeer that, hey, you know, it's Rudolph. He's not, a, not that big of a deal. He's not going to be one of the, the people in the future to help Santa pull the sleigh. 
But then we all know that there came that one foggy Christmas evening where this insignificant reindeer that really nobody cared about up to that point and was really somebody that was even made fun of, he actually became the star of the show that night. And it was actually this this insignificant reindeer that actually saved Christmas because of his red nose. And whether you like Rudolph, whether that's a favorite for you, probably every single one of us, whether you're watching online or you're, you're here this morning, every single one of us finds ourselves kind of rooting for the insignificant, kind of the underdog, whether it's in sports or in a movie, we find ourselves wanting the person that everybody's leaving out to do well at the end of the show. And and if you were to go all the way back to the very first Christmas, you would find out that the story of Christmas is a story of a bunch of very insignificant people in the world of the day that that God chose to use. And and one of the themes of the, the first Christmas, which should encourage all of us, is this theme. God chooses the insignificant to do the impossible. God chooses those that that maybe nobody else knows about. God chooses those that maybe are on the the, the outskirts or maybe are even the ones that people look down on. God chooses the insignificant to do the impossible. Last week, if you were here, we, we started to look at the story of Christmas through a doctor's eyes. His name was Luke. He was a doctor that wrote all about the account of Christmas and Jesus' life and ministry. And last week, Dr. Luke introduced us to a a pretty insignificant couple named Elizabeth and Zachariah. Just an older couple that was faithful, that was doing what they were supposed to do, but really wasn't making, uh, nobody really knew about them. They really weren't that important in their society. And we saw how God used this couple to do something that stunned everyone. And this morning, as we look at the the story of Christmas, and we continue to kind of lean into what Dr. Luke talked about, we're going to see that Dr. Luke introduces us to another couple, a much younger couple than Zachariah and Elizabeth, but, but just the same, a couple that really nobody would have ever heard of if it wasn't for the story of Christmas. And whether you grew up in church or not, whether you're a follower of of Jesus or not, you have heard of this couple. And you've probably even heard some of Luke's writings and his account about this couple. In Luke chapter 1, and it'll be up on the screen or it's in your app, he he, he introduces us to this young couple. He says this in, in Luke 1 verse 26, he says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy... God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee. So if you were, if you were here last week, we talked about Elizabeth and Zechariah and how they were an older couple and God, they, they were not able to have children and God supernaturally allowed Elizabeth in her old age to get pregnant and her baby was going to be who we all know as John the Baptist. And so about six months after Elizabeth had this baby... Gabriel got another assignment from God. And it says this, it says that he he went to a village in Galilee named Nazareth. So if you've read the Christmas story, you probably think, man, Nazareth, this is like a pretty big city. This is a big deal. 
Like God's going to show up here and angels about to show up here. Actually, this place, Nazareth, was probably a place with about 400 people. It was a place that if you lived there, you kind of got looked down on. It definitely wasn't the place that you would think anything significant would happen. And really, even if you were born there, you might not tell people you were born there. It was kind of that place. And so Gabriel goes to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and it says this. Who was he going to see? Verse 27. He went to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. So Gabriel goes to this insignificant town that you would be embarrassed to tell people you were from. And he visits this girl named Mary who is probably potentially like, I mean, could have been as young as 12 or 13, probably wasn't any older than 16 or 17. He goes and visits her and and she is engaged to this guy named Joseph. This guy, Joseph, is a a carpenter. He's probably a little older than Mary. He he goes to visit, and and he goes to visit them in a place that nobody cares about, and they are people that nobody cares about. They're, They're not people that are trying to change the world. They're not people that are trying to make a big deal out of their life. They're just an engaged couple. Just kind of waiting, planning the wedding, waiting to get married. And in this, in this setting, engagement was uh, different than it is today. It's actually, it was actually much more powerful. It was actually a legal thing. And you had to get a divorce to not be engaged anymore. It's kind of different than what it is today. But this angel goes and, and he goes to this place that's basically the ghetto. He goes to visit this teenager named Mary who's going to get married to this poor carpenter named Joseph. And neither of them had any intention or desire to change the world. They're just trying to get married. And verse 28 says this, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. What what do you mean the Lord is with you? Like we haven't heard from the Lord for 400 years. Like Israel, the nation of Israel, they hadn't heard from God for 400 years. And and Gabriel shows up and says, hey, Mary, I'm here to see you. And I want you to know the Lord is with you. And then, then he goes on. And this is like an understatement. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. So Mary, she's just like, what in the world? I'm trying to like get my wedding invitations out. All of a sudden, this, this angel shows up and tells me that the Lord's with me. And she, and you probably have had times like this where somebody says something really surprising to you. And you stop hearing what they're saying. And you're just trying to like put together in your mind, like, what did they just say? And you stop hearing the rest of what they say, because you're just trying to figure out and filter. They just said a pretty big thing. And that's what she's doing. She's trying to filter this, trying to understand what, what in the world did this angel say? Verse 30, it says this, don't be afraid or stop being afraid, Mary. The angel told her, for you have found favor with God. Mary, You're a 14, 15-year-old girl, and I'm here to tell you that God is with you, and you have found favor or grace with God. 
You are a recipient of God's grace and God has a plan to use you in a special way. And sometimes with Mary, we, we take Mary and we, we put Mary like on, like she must have been like the supernatural Christian or she's like, there's Jesus and then there's Mary and then there's the rest of us. No, that's not really how it was. There's Jesus and there's all of us and Mary's just like one of us. Mary was someone that needed God's grace just like you and I need God's grace. She was someone who wasn't perfect. She was someone who, who had made mistakes. She was someone who you know, was unsure at times. She was someone who had probably had a past that she regretted at times. Yet God in his love and grace chose her for this special opportunity, which reminds me of this statement that somebody shared with me a long time ago, and it's simply this. It is an evidence of God's grace that he gives us opportunities to serve his kingdom. So Mary, this, this girl that's, I mean, has to be crazy surprised. What in the world is this Gabriel sent from God coming to talk to me, telling me that I found favor with God. I know my past. I, I know what I've done. What, what do you mean? God's with me. And, and, and here's what Gabriel's saying. Hey, Mary, God is going to give you a special opportunity. God has given you grace, just like he's going to give grace to so many others. And he's going to give you grace, and you're going to be able to serve something bigger than yourself you're going to be able to do something that matters in eternity. Like Mary, we don't deserve it. And frankly, God doesn't need our help. We don't deserve to be a part of what God's doing any more than Mary did. And you guys already know this, whether you're watching online or you're here. God doesn't need our help. Like God's not up in heaven and saying, man, that is like the LeBron James of Christianity. If we can make a trade for that guy. We'll probably win this thing. God wasn't up in heaven and saying, you know what? Out of every girl that's available, I mean, I've got, I've got kind of a B team and a JV team over here. But man, if we can get the superstar Mary, this thing's going to go great. No, Mary was a wreck just like you and I are a wreck. And God said, I'm going to give her grace and I'm going to allow her to be a part of something special. I'm going to allow her to be a part of something bigger than herself. I don't need her. She doesn't deserve this, but I'm choosing her just like he chooses us to serve him. So Mary is humbled. She's afraid, but she leans in. And it says this, She's, she leans into what the angel says. She said, the angel continues, he says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. That word Jesus, the name Jesus means salvation or savior. And then, then the angel begins to describe this Jesus person. What, what's this guy going to be like? And, and he says this, he says, he will be very great. It's the same thing that was said about John the Baptist when, when the angel came to Elizabeth and said, hey, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. The same thing was said. He will be very great. And then the angel says this, and this wasn't said about John, and will be called the son of the Most High. When John was introduced, when, when the, when the uh, angel came to Elizabeth, he said, your son is going to be a prophet of the Most High. When the angel came to Mary, 
He said, your son is not going to be a prophet. He's going to be the son of the Most High. He's going to be the son of God. He's going to be a carbon copy of his dad. Mary, your son is going to not just look like God, not just be similar to God. Your son is going to be God. Just like you, when you take a family picture, and we took some family pictures as a family not long ago. Some of you know my family. But when you take a family picture like this, People will will come up and say, hey, your son looks just like you, or your daughter is similar to you in this way. Today, we dedicated three babies. And uh, I can't do it, but my wife can. She can look at a baby and be like, yep, has his nose and her toe. And, you know, like women can do that. They can already tell when it's like just a little baby, like, oh, it looks exactly like the dad. I'm like, it looks like a baby to me. I don't know what it looks like. I don't even know if that is the dad with the way it looks. I don't know. I, but, but a wife can look and say, hey, but, but here's what, what we do when, when we look at people's kids. Hey, that looks just, you look like them or you're similar to them. You, you, you have mannerisms like your dad or you're just like your mom in this way. When God was talking to, or when Gabriel was talking to Mary, He didn't say, hey, your son is going to have some mannerisms like God. Your son is going to be like God in these ways. He's going to have God's nose and he's going to walk like God. No, no, no. When Gabriel came to Mary, and this is so important that we grab this if you're a follower of Jesus. He said this, your son is equal with God. Your son is is God. He's not like God. He's not a prophet of God. He's not a good man. No, your son, Jesus, is God. He is, when God looks in the mirror, he sees Jesus. When Jesus looks in the mirror, he sees God. That's what, it, that's what the, the angel was saying. And, and here's what's real important. If you're a follower of Jesus, you need to lean into this. And if you're not, maybe you're skeptical. This might be one of the reasons you're skeptical. Because if Jesus isn't God, then I need to go get a real job. Because if he's not God, don't waste your Sundays. If Jesus isn't God, go live as hard and as fun and as crazy as you can for the next 50, 70 years. Because if he's not God, then all of this stuff we talk about... Is for not. Even Paul said that. He said, if Jesus isn't God and if he didn't really rise from the dead, then, then, then all that I'm doing, it's worthless. See, Jesus being God is so important. And that's why, that's why uh, when the angel came, he said, hey, your son is going to be great, but he's going to be the son of God. And then it goes on to say this, the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. He's going to be unlike any other king ever. One day he's going to reign and nobody's going to take him out. When it's his turn to reign, there will be no end. He will win. It will be his. His kingdom will reign. He's God. And that's who is going to be your son, Mary. Then, then Mary asked the, the pretty obvious question. 
Like she's leaning in and she believes, but there's a pretty obvious question that she has as a young girl that Luke's already pointed out is a virgin. She says this, Mary asks the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. I mean, Mary believed what the angel was saying, but it just kind of states the obvious. Like, I'm not really sure how this is all going to work because I've never slept with a guy. I believe, but can you just walk me through how this is going to happen? And the angel says this. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Mary, this baby is going to be special for a lot of reasons. One reason is there's not going to be a man involved. The Holy Spirit is going to put this baby inside of you. And because the Holy Spirit is going to conceive this baby, and this is really important, this baby won't have a sin nature like everybody else that's born. This baby's going to be holy. This baby's going to be 100% God and 100% man, and he is not going to have a sin nature like every other baby. And then the, the angel goes on kind of to, because I mean, just think about being married. Like you're, you're just trying to plan a wedding. And this angel comes to you out of nowhere and drops this bomb that, oh, by the way, you're about to have God. And all the complications, like, well, I've, what am I going to say to Joseph? And what is the, I'm sure the town's going to think I'm a virgin and the Holy Spirit put the baby in here. That story's going to go over real well in our town. And so she's got a lot of questions. And so the, the angel kind of encourages her towards the end, says, hey, What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Hey, I know you're a little feeling a little crazy right now, but hey, you remember your old relative Elizabeth? She, God actually worked it, worked it out where she's pregnant too. And, and then he, he goes on, he says, people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and now in her, is in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Another translation says it this way. Nothing is impossible with God. So the, the angel closes up this time with Mary by just saying, Hey Mary, I know what I just told you just probably blew your mind. But, but I want to tell you that God's up to something. In fact, your relative, you know Elizabeth, the one that couldn't have kids for decades. The one that's been wanting kids, but, but everybody just kind of gave up. She's not going to have kids. She's older now. You remember her? She's actually six months pregnant. And, and then he says, man, you know what? Nothing's impossible with God. God's up to something, Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. So how would, how would Mary respond? I mean, think about it. I mean, we read it, we see it like in the, in the Christmas scenes and we see the little nativity set and we watch the little cartoon or a little Christmas special and it's like, oh, little Mary, she's so obedient and just does what God says. But I mean, think about what's going on in her mind. She didn't sign up for this. Does she even want this? Her, her life is about to radically change. Her life in the next few weeks and months is gonna get really complicated what's her response going to be? 
She's not trying to change the world. She doesn't, she doesn't desire that. She's just trying to get married and live a normal life in Nazareth, the ghetto of, of kind of the region where she lives. So what, what's her response going to be? Verse 38, it says this. Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. Basically, I'm a slave for the Lord. I'm a bondservant of the Lord. I want what you want, and I'll do what you ask me to do. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. God, I I have so many questions. I don't know what I'm going to tell Joseph. In in my city, when when a woman gets pregnant and isn't married... They kill her. I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. I don't know how I'm going to be protected from that. I don't, I don't have all the answers to my questions, but here's what I know. I, I'm leaning in, and I, I'm going to do what you said you, you, want, you want to happen. I am your servant. I want to be a part of your plan, even though I don't have all my questions answered, and it might get really complicated for me. I'm your servant. I want your will to be done. I'm going to be part of your plan. I trust you. May what you have said come true. Mary was, was beginning to see as a young girl that God chooses the insignificant to do the impossible. She was beginning to, to realize as she hears about Elizabeth, who's an older lady and is about to have a baby, whose name will be John the Baptist, and he will be the the person that is the forerunner for Jesus, that Elizabeth was pretty insignificant, but God chose her. And now God's come to me and is saying, you know what? Hey, you're going to be the mom of my son. You're going to be the mom of God. I'm just a young kid. I mean, I'm I'm barely like having puberty right now. I'm like 14 years old. What do you mean? But I am your servant. I want to be a part of your plan. I'm insignificant to this world, but you use insignificant people to do the impossible. See, here's what I know about you and you know about me. No matter where you are, whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, no matter what you believe about Jesus or where you find yourself kind of on the journey of faith, here's what I know about you. You want to matter. You're watching online. Here's what I know about you. At the end of your life, you want to matter. You're here this morning. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you've been following Jesus for 40 years. Here's what I know about you. At the end of your life, you want to have mattered. And in fact, we, we have dreams and, and we, we seek to accomplish those and we do everything we can to position ourselves in the right relationships, with the right job, with the right connections, with the right amount in our bank account, because at the end of the day, we want to matter. But for most of us, if we're honest, we found that the things that we lean into that we think are going to help us matter they never really fill the hole. Because haven't we tried it? Haven't we tried all the things that the world tells us is important? All the things that the world will tell us that will make us happy? All the things that the world tells us that, hey, if you will do this, 
you'll matter. We've tried those things. And for the most part, we've, we found out that, you know what? Those things don't fulfill. In most cases, we still feel insignificant, like something's missing. And here, here's a question I want you to think about, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. Have you ever thought that God might have bigger plans for your life than you do? Have you ever thought about that? You're watching online. Have you ever thought that God might have bigger plans? You've tried everything. You're, you're going down all the paths. You're putting yourself in the positions that you think are going to make you be fulfilled, that are going to bring you joy, that are going to bring you happiness, that are going to allow you to matter. But have you ever thought that God might have a bigger plan for your life than you do? We see that in the very, in the Christmas story. I mean, it, it screams that. But, but here's the question, and this is something that is kind of a hard thing to say, but we all need to grab hold of this next statement because it's, it's the truth. If your ambition is to be important in the world, then you will be insignificant in God's kingdom. Let me, let me read that again. If your ambition is to be important in the world, then you will be insignificant in God's kingdom. And it it really comes down to who we trust. And here's what I mean. If you trust that the world and its system will satisfy you, then you'll spend your life chasing it. And you should. If you think the world and its system is going to make you matter and it's going to bring you happiness and fulfillment and joy, then why wouldn't you chase it? Why wouldn't you chase all of it? Why wouldn't you, you, you do everything you could? Why wouldn't you make all the money? Why wouldn't you buy all the toys? Maybe you'll be the one person in all of history that will actually have the hole in their soul filled with that stuff. Maybe you're the one person. Other people have found that that stuff hasn't filled the hole in their soul, but maybe you'll be the one person in history that it actually works for. And so, man, if you trust in the world and its system and your ambition is to be important in that system, then chase it hard. And maybe it'll bring you some happiness. It just hasn't for most people. But if you, like Mary, trust that God's plan is best and will bring lasting satisfaction, then you need to spend your life pursuing Him and His will. Spending time with Him, spending time doing the things that are important to Him, using your resources to invest in things that are important to Him, and being unmoved by man's approval. If your ambition is to be significant in God's kingdom, then you follow that way, like Mary did. Mary wasn't seeking to be important in this world. And and it doesn't mean like be a slacker in this world. Be the best at what you do. But don't make that your greatest ambition. Make God's kingdom your greatest ambition. Because at the end of the day, all the stuff that the world throws at us doesn't fill the hole. You still go to bed at night feeling insignificant. You still go to bed at night wondering, is there more? And for a lot of us, we could tell. We could share our stories. And we could share how we tried to chase down what mattered in that moment. And we found out when we caught it, it didn't matter much. 
and it actually hurt us, and it actually hurt our influence for God. See, because God hasn't changed since he sent an angel to see Mary. He hasn't changed. He still chooses the insignificant to do the impossible. And so as we close, I want you to think about that question I asked you a little earlier. Have you ever thought that God might have a bigger plan for your life than you do? Maybe you're like Mary and you're like, man, I, I'm not super talented. Maybe I'm kind of even from the, the, the ghetto. I'm, I'm not really from the, the, the right side of the track. I don't have all the right things going for me. In, in this world system, I've kind of started at the bottom. And, and maybe God's looking down and saying, you know what? That's exactly what I want to use. Don't change. Hold up. Don't, don't try to go after all this other stuff. I want to use you. I want to use you who the, maybe the world seems that, that, that you're insignificant, man. You're, you're like the Rudolph in the story, but man, I want to use you. But are, is that cool with you? Are you okay with that? Like, do you want to, it, which one? Do you want to matter in God's kingdom or you want to matter for 60 or 70 years on this earth? You got to choose just like I do. But God wants to use you and he invites you into accomplishing what is humanly impossible. He wants to use you. He wants you to be part of his kingdom. And his kingdom is not a spectator sport. It's not a, we don't watch from the stands. We get involved. So as we close, I want you to think back. If you're watching online, I want you to put yourself in Mary's shoes. If God came to you and said, hey, I want to give you grace. I want to use you to do something special in my kingdom. What would your response be? Because I'm here to tell you, that's already happened. God sent his son Jesus so that you and I could matter. So that we could choose Him, a relationship with Him. So we could choose His kingdom. And so that in the end, our lives would be spent for something that's much bigger than us, just like Mary's was. But the question that we have to grapple with is this. Who do you want to be important to? Because the answer to that question will determine the direction of your life just like it did Mary's. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story that, that Dr. Luke wrote, the account of the Christmas story, the account of, of your birth, Jesus, the account of Mary and the angel coming to her. And Lord, I pray as we sit here in a really crazy year, Lord, we've had a lot of questions this year. A lot of the things that we've trusted in, a lot of the things that have honestly made us happy and made us feel significant over the last few months, Lord, you've taken a lot of those things away. And God, I pray whether we're watching online or whether we're here this morning, that we would really listen to the example of Mary, a young girl who from the world's perspective wasn't all that important. But she was a girl that was willing to listen to you 
and was willing to step into what you had for her. She trusted you. And Lord, I pray for those that are here and that are watching online that we would be a people that does the same thing. That we would be a people that leans into our relationship with you and chooses your kingdom above this world. In Jesus' name, amen.